Hi, Ajahn Anand. Namo Buddhaya. I have a question about whether my meditation is right or not. Whenever I start meditation, I feel some kind of vibration on my face, and I can see a small red light while I close my eyes. And sometimes the light moves around. My meditation object is to breathe in and out. Please kindly enlighten me on this. Yosef from Australia. So in the cultivation of samadhi, this act of making our minds and hearts firm and well-established, we can take up the knowledge of the breath, the in-breath and the out-breath, as object of mindfulness, of recollection. And if we're going to talk about the foundations of mindfulness, uh, this is the foundation of the body, having mindfulness in the body. Because the breath, it's a part of the body as well. So we have the mindfulness there, focusing on the breath, the in-breath, the out-breath, so that peace arises. And even though that peace may be a little bit of peace, uh, it grows and it becomes closer to kind of real peace, to one-pointed peace. And some practitioners, they have a nimitta, or a kind of image that arises. It may be a color, it may be a light, maybe a bright light that comes up. But when these things arise, then know that they have arisen. Understand them for what they are and don't send your mind out towards them, but rather maintain that mindfulness over the breath. So even though these images may come up, um, take care to not run following after them. And if you open up your eyes, then they're not there anymore. So try to care for your mindfulness um, so that uh, you can bring it to the breath so that it comes to this one point until this peace is well established. And perhaps you can see then into the nature of this breath that it comes in and then there's a pause, a brief pause, and then the breath goes out and it disappears. So you can see anicca, dukkha, anatta, it's change or impermanence and stress and not self there. Or you can take the samadhi that you have gained and contemplate, have mindfulness in this body over the elements, seeing the body as being composed of earth, water, fire and air. And when you see these break apart, then that is vipassana, this insight and wisdom arises here, the kind of wisdom that um, can allow you to abandon the sense of self. Dear Ajahn, thank you for explaining the experience that I had many years ago with Dhamma and for the advice for, pu for putting more effort on developing mindfulness. I have put your advice into practice and continue to listen to your Dhamma talks. I do enjoy your talks, especially on the contemplation of Dhamma, because I have a critical mind and tend to think a lot. Please, may I ask if what I am doing to assist my parents to have a good rebirth is correct? My parents are getting old and do have health issues. What I have been doing so far is dedicating merit to my parents by supporting charities, donating blood, 
and sharing merit of my meditation with them. I do sometimes have conversations on Dhamma with my parents. We talk about letting go, doing good, kama, and suffering from grasping. My hope is that they may begin their journey in Dhamma, whether it's in this life or the next. And when the time comes for my parents to pass from this life, I hope to be by their side and to try to elevate their mind state by thanking them, showing my gratitude, remind them of the good things that they have done, and reciting mantras, especially to my mother who likes reciting mantras. Is this correct? And is there anything else I can do to help my parents after they have moved on from this life? Thank you and sorry for my long-winded question. So, Tanajan gives his Enamarna, rejoices in the goodness of your consistent practice of the Dhamma, your contemplation of the Dhamma, even though there may be many thoughts going on when you contemplate the Dhamma, really. Um, the meaning of that contemplation is to give rise to a clear understanding in that Dharma that you're contemplating. And so like bringing up uh, the body, for instance, and contemplating that, and investigating that. And so the Buddha taught that the body is something that changes, that's inconstant. You can ask yourself, well, is that actually true? Is that right? The teeth, for example, that we have, that he said they deteriorate, they decay. Was that true? And what about the organs in the body? Do they really develop illnesses? Um, do they really uh, become unwell? So we can investigate, contemplate this. And when we do, then we'll see that that really is the case. And this wisdom comes up. But as for helping those people who have great virtue for us, our mother, our father, when they are old already. And that shows that you've got a very virtuous and good heart. That you donate blood, that you do many things, and do a lot of meditation. So that's great goodness there. These are very good things. And you have this gratitude, and that too is very good. You have these good wishes for your parents. It's also talking about the Dhamma to them, that's correct. And talk about goodness, talk about virtue, talk about kamma. And you can also describe to them the story of the Buddha, his biography, or that of the great disciples of the Buddha. You may get a book about this and read it out to them or explain to them yourself about each of those disciples and the goodness that they created, how they were able to give rise to wisdom that allowed them to see into the Dhamma. And that was true as well for the lay disciples of the Buddha, that they had this wisdom too, and they knew the Dhamma, saw the Dhamma. So you can read this out to them or describe it to them. And when you're doing that, then you as well may gain a very kind of deep feeling of the Dhamma too, an understanding of the Dhamma as you're reading. Or if there's chants or mantras that uh, your parents like, then you can chant those as well. You may find a translation of those chants and read them out, 
and talk about the meaning of those chants, what, what do they mean. So all of this is a very good way of repaying the goodness and the virtue of your parents and doing these good deeds. So repaying that goodness, and what you're doing is repaying that goodness. And so while they are still alive, then you care for them uh, to the best of your ability. You give them shelter and food and water and clothing and medicine and help them out yourself. Or um, if you're not able to, then find someone else who is able to help them. And by doing this, you're expressing the gratitude that you have and this repaying of that gratitude. You can also talk about the goodness and the virtues of parents and how kind of much you feel that uh, towards your parents, you know, how much that kind of touches you, their goodness. And this is something that you need to talk about now while they're still alive, you know, just um, how much their goodness has touched you, you know, how they've looked after you so well. And now you have the opportunity to care for them. And that they were, and they're the people who gave you life and who kind of set up this life for you, who established you. Um, and then when they have passed away already, uh, then you can do meritorious deeds uh, in you know, dedication to them. Uh, but while your parents are alive now, um, then look after them well. Because they say that one's mother and father are like the arahants or the brahmas of their children. So try to repay their goodness as much um, as you can. And also perhaps teach them about meditation, bringing their minds to peace, to stillness. Um, teach them about letting go. And you need a bit of wisdom to be able to do this. Uh, so you could also uh, play a recording of Dharma talks by Krubhajans, by awakened teachers. Um, and you can talk about the meaning of that. And maybe they'll steadily gain an understanding into that. And so you can take uh, Ajahn Chah as, as the main teacher or... Uh, my Dharma talks, Tanajananan's Dharma talks, that you listen to and what you understand from those, then you can explain the meaning of that to your parents. Dear Ajahn, I take care of my mother who has dementia and many other disabilities. I would like her to be happy in her last years and try to give her as much love as I can. Although I see her happier now, sooner or later she becomes very negative about life and is attached to her money. Sometimes I get angry or tired about this. I'm afraid I'm not capable of paying my moral debt to her. I think she will die suffering. And I wonder if despite my efforts, I'm building good parami or rather the opposite. Could you please advise on how to have a right view about this? Many thanks for all your guidance. So you need to endure a lot. 
with all of these kind of moods that you're feeling. And it's normal to be feeling those in your situation. You also need to have a lot of kindness as well. And sorry, actually, um, you need to have more endurance, more forbearance than what you would normally have. And so you can think about when you were a child and you weren't able to help yourself. Uh, so when you're in your mother's womb, or when you're born, then your mother had to kind of give everything to help you. And she endured a lot, she forbeared a lot with that uh, because of the love that she had. And this love that you can't find a comparison to it. And so you try to help her out, but it sounds like of your feeling kind of discouraged as well. So you need to try to put effort into having mindfulness, into trying to make your samadhi firm. But it's also normal that there will be some feelings of being kind of fed up or being bored or discouraged. But you should have the mindfulness there to know, knowing what is it that the mind is like. And if there are unwholesome or unskillful states arising, then putting effort into abandoning those. But it's normal that they come up, and they will come up in your situation. And so when you're trying to help someone out who isn't able to help themselves, and maybe they can't remember very much, and they may be attached to money, for instance. And so you need to try to find kind of methods to help them out. So with this attachment to money, then you can try giving your mother a little bit of money each day. And so then she can feel um, some happiness there. Or if she thinks about things in uh, a negative way, uh, then you just listen to what she has to say. You know, don't say anything that will kind of go against that or that will aggravate her. But rather just after listening, steadily try to change the mood that she's in. And sometimes uh, with people in this situation, their memories have problems. And so maybe, um, you know, the person who is unwell, they may think that their child has stolen money from them. And they think that that's really the case. And even though it's not a lot of money, but their brain is giving them this thought and they think that it's really true. But it's really just sankhara. It's just a condition phenomena. It's ignorance that's giving the causes and conditions for this sankhara and proliferation to arise. And sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad, or they're neutral. But just understand that the nature of thoughts are like this. And if we're going to see them really deeply in terms of Dhamma, then it's just Dhamma. It's not actually the thought of your mother or of anyone. But it's just the five khandhas. It's arising and staying and ceasing. So this feeling of being tired, being fed up, that's also a matter of the five khandhas, arising, staying and ceasing. And this falls under the principle of the Dhamma, of anatta, 
uh, of not-self. But initially you need to have a lot of forbearance and really try to make your mindfulness firm. If you're not able to carry on struggling, then take a rest and do some chanting, do some meditation, develop samadhi. And then establish yourself anew. Struggle, fight once more, bring up this endurance once more. And don't think a lot about the future, about what it's going to be like when your mother dies, is she going to be suffering? But bring yourself to this present moment. And so, you just try to carry on helping her uh, to the best of your ability and your energy. And when you do that, um, then you know that you've done your best, and so you won't suffer over that. Um, you, when she passes away, then you can think, well, you know, I really did my best in taking care of her. Uh, but sometimes there are these unskillful states that um, arise, and that's uh, just normal. You know, so try to uh, put your effort into abandoning those and just carry on doing that um, each day. And so bring up a lot of forbearance in this way. This is a two-part question. I wonder if Ajahn could elaborate on the differences between tranquility and stillness. And the second question is, would appreciate it very much if Ajahn would give some guidance on how to bring the mind from complete stillness to mature equanimity and finally experience some unconditional peaceful liberation during meditation. Thank you. So this peace, it is stillness, it's this tranquility. So we know about the mind that is restless and scattered. And when the mind is in that state, um, then it's not still. It has this proliferation going on. But when peace or tranquility arises, then the proliferation becomes less. So that shows that peace is coming up. And the mind is in this still state. And so it starts off with the small amount of um, stillness and the small amount of tranquility. And there the mind is also in an equanimous state too. It's not involved in liking or disliking. And so the mind here, it's in this um, state of uh, upeka, of equanimity. But in order to make that um, complete, or in order to make it mature, um, then you need to train in that. So like training in knowing the breath, for example. And so initially you do that, you have mindfulness there over the breath, and the samadhi uh, grows incrementally until the thoughts reduce and reduce, joy comes up, happiness arises, the mind becomes one-pointed. There's vitaka, vichara, piti, sukha, ekakada, this initial and sustained application of the mind, this joy, this happiness and one-pointedness of the state of apana or access, samadhi. 
And so here, the mind, um, oh, you need to understand that in this uh, point, this is upeka or equanimity through samadhi, that the mind isn't given to liking or disliking. So there's this peace there which is holding the defilements back. But with this peace, it's also normal that when its time comes, then it fades and the proliferation arises once more. So then we need to contemplate and see the body, the feelings, the mind, the Dhamma as merely the body, the feelings, the mind, the Dhamma. And here the mind can let go and reach the state of vimuti or liberation. And the mind can separate out from its objects. The mind separates out from the khandas and seeing that the body is just a body. So this is a temporary freedom that we experience here. And this too is a kind of upaka or equanimity, but it's that which comes through wisdom. And this is the equanimity that's a factor for awakening a factor for us to see the Dhamma. So just carry on training in this until you become skilled and carry on developing this peace and having this equanimity uh, towards the objects of the mind initially through samadhi and then eventually that will turn into equanimity through wisdom. So begin to train your mind in this peace and in samadhi first and that which holds or suppresses the defilements. And then eventually that will develop into this equanimity through wisdom. And that's what we call letting go. Dear Venerable, how can I be aware of breathing in and breathing out naturally and easily? When I try to be aware of breathing, I start to control it. If I control it, I get a headache. If I don't control my breathing, I have difficulty being aware of it. Therefore, I don't know what I should do after I close my eyes. How should I practice meditation? Thank you very much. So to begin with this intention that you have uh, to meditate is um, already merit that's arising. Uh, but now, when the mind is still quite agitated and restless and try to know the breath, but the mindfulness is still weak, so the thoughts are many. Then we try to control the breath and problems arise as well. But if you just kind of let it go, then the mind thinks without stopping. And so what you can try is chanting. You can try chanting itipiso, so the recollection of the Buddha, of the Dhamma, of the Sangha, or whatever verse it is that you like, that when you chant you feel happy and peaceful, um, then chant that a lot, go through it many, many times. You can also learn the meaning of that chant as well. So while you're reciting that, then the thinking and the proliferation of the mind about many different things will reduce. And when that happens, then you can come to the breath then. 
Know the breath as it comes in and goes out and counts in pairs. So on the in-breath you count one, and then on the out-breath one, the in-breath two, the out-breath two, and carry on until the fifth pair. And when you reach the fifth pair, then start again at one, and count in pairs up till six, and then start again at one, and then go till seven, and then again until eight, until nine, until ten. And if along the way you forget where you're at, and then start anew. And so this is the first method. Now the second method is counting along with the breath. So on the in-breath, count one, two, three, four, five. On the out-breath, one, two, three, four, five. Or on the in-breath, one, two, three, four, five, six. On the out-breath, one, two, three, four, five, six. And so you could try these two methods of having mindfulness um, with the breath while counting, trying not to forget. And carry on doing that until this counting just stops happening all by itself without you're intending for that to happen. And what's left is this knowledge of the breath coming in and going out. And there'll be a feeling of ease there as well. And so remember that feeling of ease, that you don't need to control the breath. You don't need to kind of do that so that you get yourself into a headache. And also remember the method that got you there. And Train in that until you become skilled in it and you can pass over this uh, kind of confusion and turmoil um, in your meditation practice. Okay, so now we can sit in meditation together. <laughs> 